Welcome to another interview at Animal Cafe. Each Monday, we offer a new podcast with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for upcoming interviews and more. This week, I'm excited to introduce the newest member of our Animal Cafe team, the very accomplished Kelly Gorman Dunbar, who's going to be focusing on training in her segments. Kelly is the co-founder and the executive editor of DogStarDaily.com, where some of the most important voices in today's training and animal behavior communities gather. The president of Open Paw, a nonprofit with a new training-oriented approach to the unwanted animal problem, and a director of the Center for Applied Animal Behavior, a multifaceted business that focuses on teaching people how to train their dogs to be the best canine citizens possible in a friendly and fun way, which is always the way it at all the things that uh, that Kelly does. So um, I wanted to talk to her today about one aspect of training that's particularly interesting to me and a lot of people lately, which is her role as a certified instructor through the National Association of Canine Scent Work. So first, welcome, Kelly. Hello. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Very excited about my new role. Yeah, well, we're very excited to have you. So. As a certified instructor through the National Association of Canine Scent Work, which sends, which sets standards for canine nose work, um, I want you first to explain to us what nose work is. Well, nose work really is um, generally any activity where the dog is using, um, you know, his nose to locate a target scent or odor, and. Dogs are doing this all the time, whether we've asked them to or not, really, and we've all seen our dogs poking around with their noses. Um, so there's, there's the, general, you know, the general term nose work, which would incorporate things such as tracking or scent discrimination, as well as air scenting or, um, you know, search and rescue, things like that. Uh, however, canine nose work is a term that, it, that specifically is used to describe uh, a sport developed by the founders of the National Association of Canine Scent Work. Um, certified detection trainers Ron Gaunt, Amy Hero, and Jill Marie O'Brien. And the sport was inspired by the training methodology that, that the founders have used um, you know, uh, for detection canines, and it borrows from that element of training and it brings it to, to um, and brought it to a recreational sport that's evolved, and it's a, a pursuit that many dogs and handlers can practice and have fun with, uh, you know, regardless of their their breed size or age. Interesting. Well, now tell me um, what the association does. Does how does it organize the um, the different nose work activities? Well, the, uh, the the National Association of Canine Scent Work has developed has set a standard and has developed a sport that encompasses several different elements of detection training, and it's just a fun way for you to. Um, I guess achieve as much as you can with your dog in the sport. It's a directed way to use these fun nose games um, in a sport environment, and it's something that all dogs can do. You know, because dogs work individually in the sport, you, a lot of dogs can participate in the sport that wouldn't be able to participate maybe in a sport where, um, you know, if they were reactive or or shy or you know, or they wouldn't be able to really perform in agility or obedience. In this sport, you you can work with pretty much any personality because they're working individually and they're working on their strongest sense. 
you know, scent of, you know, the, the dog's nose is their primary uh, source of information. And so every dog can excel in it. So they've set standards and developed the sport with the four elements of um, you have a container search, an interior search, an exterior search, and a vehicle search. And a dog must um, be able to detect the target odor in all four elements to achieve their, their title. That's an interesting um, what you brought up about the behavior um, aspect and not having to worry about your dog interacting with other dogs. Um, I hadn't thought of that, and that's very exciting because there are a lot of things that fearful dogs or reactive dogs can't participate in, so that's, that's very interesting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so many dogs that are labeled as aggressive truly are just reactive, uh, maybe a little excitable, generally a little stressed. Um, and because this, that is really the beauty of this. The dogs do run completely individually. There are no other dogs on the field or on the sidelines because even in, let's say, an agility trial, there are many dogs running around maybe in another arena or in a practice area. This is all very much about the singular dog and handler team running. So um, it's opened up sport to a lot of people that would have loved to do something with their dogs that haven't been able to in the past. And the beautiful side effect of that other than, well, there's so many. One of the, the, the primary um, things that happens when a, a dog handler team begins the sport is that the bond grows between handler and, and dog. The communication level grows, and we see confidence grow. We see shy dogs gain confidence and focus. We see reactive dogs focus and channel that energy, that nervous energy, in a more directed way so they're not barking and, and reacting. Um, aggressive dogs can kind of soften a little bit. So it's been something that I guess by using, again, the, such a natural, um, such a natural joyful part of their, their dogginess um, and, and using that in their daily life, they, they have this outlet that seems to, you know, calm and focus them in really um, a beautiful way. That's, that's fascinating. Now, um, I should ask, do you train the, um, the owners to to work with the dogs um, first, and uh, how does that work? Well, well, this is a very unique sport in the, in the way that it's approached because the dogs already know how to search right. and use their nose to find something. Um, as anyone who's ever dropped a piece of you know, steak on the floor <laughs> um, can, can attest to, uh, the, the dogs know how to use their nose. What we have to teach the dogs generally is to be comfortable exploring. So many um, companion dogs have been told not to use their nose. You know, stop sniffing on the wall. Don't sniff that other dog's butt. Get your nose out of that person's crotch. Get your nose out of the garbage can. You know, and they kind of have to learn to turn off that part of their, their being. And so for many dogs, um, the, the better behaved they are, uh, the, the more challenging this can be for them initially. They think, really, you're going to let me explore with my nose? <laughs> you know, I can go over there and sniff that, really? And, um, you know, some of them, that takes a little time, but once they realize that that's what we're asking them to do, this light bulb goes off, and they just they just light up. They shine. So we're not teaching them to search. We're teaching them that it's okay to search in this context and that they are driving. You know, it's, we don't really have to teach the handlers much at all. We're teaching them. Well, we're teaching them how to bring out that natural ability in their dog, I guess, and to let the dog drive, not to micromanage everything. You know, when it comes to nose work, we can't find it, you know, ourselves. So 
you know, we're so used to directing our watch me, look here, heal, um, you know, come closer, don't look that way. And this is more about letting go and letting dogs be dogs. Wow, it sounds liberating for both parties. It's, it is, and it can, it's funny. It can be somewhat challenging for some personalities, but uh, it's just so beautiful to see. And, when, and again, the, the more trained that a dog ha- is, like let's say you're working with an agility dog, you know, they're used to teamwork, but they're used to very detailed instruction every step of the way. So initially they get out into a nose work field and they think, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they have to they have to learn, no, no, you, you know, we're not going to tell you what to do. You you drive here. You tell me where the owner is, and it is it's very liberating. Well, now you mentioned a nose work field. Is are there different types of environments where nose work uh, activities are conducted? This is um, there are, and this is what can be uh, challenging. One of the more challenging elements. I mean, teaching a dog to search is one thing. Teaching a dog to search over maybe some of its other impulses. Uh, you know, for one specific target odor, odor can be more challenging. We do work initially with containers. Uh, containers obviously contain scent and trap it in nicely. So you get a nice concentrated area where the scent is pooling, and that's relatively easy for novice novice dogs to, you know, to understand, you know, and to grasp. Yeah. And yeah, then we move into interiors where they're searching maybe a warehouse or um, a schoolroom. And the odor can be anywhere. And really, we're just using one, one to maybe ten uh, little scented Q-tips. I mean, we need a tiny little bit of odor in, in a big room. And we also do exterior, which could be a field, it could be a courtyard, and then vehicle searches. You know, we're using cars or trailers or trucks, and they've got a, they've got a lineup of vehicles, and they've got to find the little pinpoint of odor that has been placed on one of the vehicles. Now, can you explain the contain concept? Are you talking about putting boxes in a room? I'm, I'm not That's sure. generally how we start. Mm-hmm. You, you know, a box is, you know, uh, pretty innocuous and easily replaced if somebody gets a little overzealous. But it's a, a simple, you know, portable way to um, start your dog searching. You can take your boxes anywhere, and and the dog should understand within a few training sessions the context of the game. Now we're searching in this new environment. Because initially, you know, you take your dog to a park or to a parking lot, and they've already got, you know, very strong context cues for what that means in life, right? You know, they're not necessarily thinking we're going to search for something. They're thinking we're going to chase squirrels or play with other dogs or pee on trees or go for a ride. So um, we do start with the boxes because we can uh, manipulate that environment very easily to make the odor a little easier to to reach or a little more difficult by raising it up higher. And we kind of build their skill level and the context within the box game mm-hmm. and then expand from there. Okay. Now, um, tell me, are there different scent categories then? You you have the different uh, contexts for them. What uh, what about the scents? What do you... What do you have? Is it food, dirty socks? How do you? How do you <laughs> yeah, everybody always wants to know. I, I think we should um, expand this to to be car keys and remote controls and things like that. But right now we are using we try to use three novel odors that they really don't um, encounter in their daily life. So the the sport of of nose work, canine nose work, they use birch oil, anise oil, and clove oil uh, as the three elements that dogs search for, and they start with one. Usually, you know, they start with birch, and then we um, add other other scents as they progress in their ability. Interesting. So it's not um, so they're really novel scents for most dogs. 
For most dogs. I mean, you know, there are some birch, obviously there are real birch trees in the world and anise and, and clove at the holidays. But, you know, we are using essential oil and not any kind of blend. And they seem to have no difficulty you know, separating that out from anything. But we didn't want to use something like lavender. They didn't want to use, you know, vanilla, things that might be in every household, bathroom, and kitchen, you know. Oh, interesting. So, um, now when did this, this all start? It seems recent to me that I've been hearing about it. So I'm, I'm wondering when it sort of morphed from a, um, a technique used to fa- find people and drugs to a recreational activity. Um, don't quote me on this, but I do believe that the founders who have been working together in you know, professional detection work, uh, they, you know, I mean, they saw that this was so, so very fun for their dogs, that their dogs were, you know, would, would get something out of their, their training in a way that they, they couldn't duplicate anywhere else with, with exercise, with playtime, with other games. And they saw that the dogs got so much joy out of this, they thought, why can't we bring this to every dog? Every dog deserves a chance to use their nose. And I believe they did that in, they started working on that concept maybe in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong there, but I think so. And started um, developing their curriculum for teaching pet dogs, which is very different than teaching a professional working dog. You know, working dogs are selected for a certain amount of energy, focus, and drive, and, um, you know, pre-selected. So they wouldn't be in a program if they were already fearful or or not interested in, in working. Whereas with pet dogs, we're working um, on the other extreme. We're working with anything that comes our way. We're working with dogs that may have not as much um, interest initially in, in, in using their noses or that, again, may have some behavior issues that slow them down, you know, in a sport. You know, the pet dogs wouldn't necessarily be um, selected for working ability, right? So mm-hmm. they had to find a way to draw out the inner, the inner uh, sniffer of the yeah. average dog. And I do think they started that around 2006 and then started bringing it to the public. I had maybe the first trial that they held for their sport. I think that might have been in 2009. Mm-hmm. So it is relatively new. It didn't really explode onto the scene. They didn't really take it on the road, uh, so to speak, until I think 2009. Now, so. you mentioned some techniques for um, bringing those, um, you know, for concentrating dogs on, who aren't used to using their noses on, um, on, on scent itself. And I'm just wondering what, what kind of techniques are they, do they use to, to do that? Well, the idea is usually it's about building confidence, you know, and you know that where some of the challenge can be. And it is really about reminding a dog how to be a dog. You know, we really ask them to fit into our world and our lifestyle, um, you know, all the time without giving them many many natural doggy outlets. So some of these dogs have really, you know, kind of tamped down their 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 interest in searching or exploring or working away from their handler. So we are. We try to find ways to excite them and ignite that, that that passion for tracking and air scenting and using their sniffer. So you generally try to find something that the dog already loves, and every dog is something that they love. Uh, often it's a food, you know, very smelly, tasty food treat. Other times it's a favorite toy or a game of chase, you know, with a toy. And we want to reawaken that, that desire to hunt. All dogs have that desire to hunt and chase at some level. You know, they all come initially from some lines that would, would do that, whether they're stalkers or chasers or like to grab and shake. And we, we try to tap into that and just bring out the playfulness in, in them. So, 
you know, they'll, they'll, most of them will hunt and find food. Uh, often they will work for their favorite toy as well. So now I saw that um, it was described as an urban sport on, on the website. Um, why, why is it considered an urban sport, and how how do people do it in an urban environment? Well, the real beauty uh, of nose work, of canine nose work, is that you can really take the show on the road anywhere. You don't need a lot of equipment. Uh, you know, you don't have you don't have a whole you know uh, shed full of things that you need to bring with you if you. You've got your Q-tips, Q-tips and maybe some boxes. You know, you, you, you can go and take the show on the road. So you can practice nose work in a tiny studio apartment. You can practice it in a, a pet store. <laughs> you know, you can quickly you know, put a little odor down somewhere. You can do it right on the street um, in a local park, really anywhere. And so that's, I think, you know, what they, what they call it an urban sport. You can take the show on the road, and no matter where you live, or you know what kind of environment you're in. There's always somewhere that you can hide a little of your your target odor and um, send your dog off to search. So is that a command? I was going to ask you in general if um, there are any mas- mastering basic training commands was necessary, but it just it sounds like the opposite. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it is the opposite. You know, um, when you Engage your dog in some kind of, um, for lack of a better term, kind of obedience exercise, or you know, you know, where you're again looking for eye contact, or you know, having them walk by your side, or not pull. They're focusing on you, and um, not the environment. And and here it's the opposite. So a dog really doesn't need to be well trained in the in the traditional sense for them to be able to excel in nose work. You know, you want them to have that freedom to go and do on their own. And, and some of the searchers, they'll be searching off-leash. Other times, you'll be trailing with a long line. But it really is about the dog doing their own thing and feeling comfortable with that. So, uh, you know, the, the less training, you know, professional training that they have, the easier it is initially to get them to work away from you. You, know, you think of the typical adolescent dog, you know, that is already kind of out in their own world, that's um, pulling on the leash and not focusing on their handler. Um, it's it's easier to get them to, to 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 focus on the nose work initially. Now that said, everyone learns. Once they learn how fun this is and that finding the target odor is you know, super fun and what they're supposed to do, every dog can excel with this. Doesn't you know whether or not they've been fully obedience trained or not. But that is um it is it's, it's a no obedience zone generally. Uh-huh. That's great. Well now, how did you get interested and involved in it? Uh, let's see. I've um, known Jill Marie O'Brien for oh, I don't know. We worked together years ago. I've known her maybe 15 years, 14 years, and you know, she is one of the founders. So when she was telling me that she was, you know, they were very excited that they'd come up with this idea, and um, I was just you know, taken with it right away. I thought, of course, this is this is wonderful. It's beautiful. So I I opted to be one of the you know one of the initial uh, certified instructors to go through their program and uh, it's just the rest is history it's just so delightful it's kind of taken over everything else that I do with dogs right now because it's just such a joy and it's brought so much to the lives of of of, of companion dogs everywhere you know, they really it gives them a job you know mm-hmm. now are there programs all around the country well, the, the the association is national, and they are a baby organization. They're growing by leaps and bounds. They're hosting trials whenever, wherever they can, and I know they've had trials 
uh, in you know places as, as far flung as Alaska. I'm pretty sure they've had a trial there. They're about to, and I know they've been workshops all over the country. So right now they're in the growth stage of trying to uh, bring the sport to as many instructors as possible and teach people their their curriculum and their formula for training and with the hopes that this sport will continue to grow and that we'll have trials all over the country. So and it's it is growing very quickly. It's it's taken off like a wildfire. So it's just a matter of keeping up with the demand really at this point. Because once when you know, once you try it you just never go back. It's very addictive and very rewarding at both ends of the leash. Now Really, can any dog do it? Because I uh, have a, a dog who seems to have a little problem with, uh, you know, not being able necessarily to sniff out his toys. He, he doesn't trace them, but I sometimes see him looking around kind of cluelessly, like, where is that? And it's like he's looking rather than sniffing. So well, That's a very interesting point that you bring up. Well, first of all, let me say yes. Every dog, you know, I'm sure that, you know, every dog can do this. Their sense of of smell is so strong and even even though there are obviously variations in their ability from individual dog to dog um you know the, it, what they're asked to do in this sport is it's relatively easy for their abilities you know um what can happen sometimes is some dogs are using their brains in their in their eyes for various reasons and we just have to teach them to to use their nose again uh, every now and then you get a visual, a visually uh, oriented dog, and it just takes a minute to, to switch gears. But often it's about the motivation. If they've never really, you know, they, if some dogs may not initially see the, the purpose for finding something. You know, I mean, you may be able to do something, but uh, unless you really understand why you're doing it, you may not want to. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? You may not be that motivated to do it. So, what we would do with a dog like Frankie is just really get him excited about the idea of finding whatever it is we're asking him to find and tease him and get in, in a silly, fun way and make him want that thing more than anything, whether it be a, you know, a bait bag with a piece of you know, cheese inside or a silly toy with you know, maybe stuff with some food, and get him used to the idea that this toy is you know, you know, the best thing ever and, that, and building up his interest in that and then very gradually making the hides more difficult because sometimes what happens is it's just too challenging and there isn't there just isn't enough interest and you know a, a smart dog might say yeah why am I looking for this you know <laughs> well, it, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get there's another toy in the basket right there or I have you know you're gonna give me another snack in a minute so eh, I don't really need to do the work. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's his squeaky chili. He loves his toy. It's a squeaky it's chili. Oh, and he seems like he can't find it. I would, yeah. We, that, that's, that's funny. He may he may really be using his his eyes, and so you just have to gradually work with hiding it in a way where he must use his nose. But you know, mm-hmm. we, we would work on that slowly. The funny thing is, some dogs take a little time at the beginning, um, maybe depending on you know where they're where they're coming from uh, with their motivation or. Um, comfort level, mm-hmm. but within a few sessions, we find that it really evens out. Once they get the game, every dog can excel. I mean, you know, we've got little tiny, you know, Frenchies and and, and giant Great Danes. We have, um, I have uh, one of my favorite students. Well, they're all my favorites. I adore my students. <laughs> but one of one that stands out is Buddy. He's a three-legged golden retriever that you know when he started, he was nine years old. He's you know earned his his um, NW1 title. We have. Um, we work with blind dogs, uh, 14-year-old dogs. You know, the sniffer seems to be one of the things that works for a long time. And um, we just, I, we have, I've worked with semi-feral dogs, you know, which obviously their noses work, but will they be comfortable 
in an enclosed room or, you know, searching in a directed way. And we just never had anybody fail. Um, Now, I'm on a mission. Yeah, you can do it. To find a uh, place to learn it. So I'm going to see what I can do about that. Maybe maybe I will become an instructor. Who knows if I can get Frankie to do it. Um, And there's nobody else in Tucson. Hmm. Yeah, and and really, you know, if you're working with a challenge like that up front, your skills will, you know, will be tremendous. I mean, you have to learn how to draw a dog out. And, And, again, that's not that uncommon. You know, for some reasons... So, and he, he's a little—he's a little bit of a, a shy guy, anyway, isn't he? Yes. So it might just be, be about pushing his confidence level to the next, to the next level. You know, like making, like him understand that that's something that he can do. That you know, giving him the confidence that he can search and use his nose and find something. And that, you know, I think you would be—you know—you would learn so much about observing dog behavior and how to draw dogs out and get them excited, which I think really has many, many. Uh, uses, you know, if you're if you're training dogs, you, it should be fun for them. It should be motivating, and this teaches you how to get a dog really excited and motivated, and how to read their body language and really see what they are, what their you know what their intentions are, and read how they're feeling and and you know what they're going to do by watching their body language. Because that's all we've got. They don't speak to us, and we don't know where the owner is. So we've got to learn how to read our dog and trust our dogs. And uh, it it really does kind of flip everything, you know, on, you know, on its head. And uh, it's it's so so fun for the for the humans too because of that. Well, it sounds like a blast. I'm I'm very excited. So thank you so much for informing me and uh, everybody else who listens to this. And uh, we look forward to having you do interviews too and uh, bring up other exciting topics for Animal Cafe. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you for having me today. Okay.